Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? You know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. Well, no evidence that we're any good at it, but we're back to uh, try it again. First show of the year, In the Booth. After a long summer's hibernation, like a bear that i think they do that during the winter maybe that's polar bears we've been gone a long time and now we're back good to be back good to talk sports with you in the booth here on espn radio syracuse matt park Polly sibilia alongside Polly's made it back from western michigan seth and the gang here so uh it's listening to seth's update and I, something struck me he was uh, dungy struggled was, uh, he, throwing the ball was yeah, his lead on the he, yeah yeah did he he threw for two touchdowns and a hundred. Got a lot of drops. Years. A lot of drops. He was quarterback of the week. He didn't really struggle. Well, <laughs> he didn't struggle. To be quarterback. He didn't, he didn't uh, complete a high percentage of passes. He ran for 200 yards. 200 yards. All right, That's been done about 15 times in school history, never by a quarterback. He ran for a touchdown. Another one was uh, called back uh, on review. The running game was really good. There's all we'll get into a whole bunch of things on the game. He didn't struggle. Bill Hurley, who you know, you think about running quarterbacks here. There's been some pretty good ones. Donovan McNabb was pretty good. Marvin Graves certainly. Don McPherson. Bill Hurley had the school record for rushing yards by a quarterback, and he was basically a running back back then in the late '70s for uh, Frank Maloney. He ran for 156 yards in a game in 1979. So the record held for that long, 40 years basically. Terrell Hunt had a 156-yard game in 2014 as well. Terrell was a big tank of a dude and could cover a lot of ground. Dungy, athletically, is at an entirely different level than virtually every quarterback Syracuse has ever had, with all due respect to Wally Maley and, uh, and the crew back in the day. He ran for 200 yards. When you do that, I pretty much almost literally don't care how much you pass for. And he didn't complete a lot of passes, but uh, dropsies are one thing that needs to be cleaned up going forward. Uh, At least one of the balls that was completed, a very nice catch by Jamal Custis, was not a very good throw. That was a a great catch where Custis helped out the quarterback. Custis had a career day. And lots of things to get into in the Orange's uh, 55-42 victory over Western Michigan on Friday night. I actually thought I, I did see your eyebrows go up when uh, when Seth said that in the in the update, and I'm kind of with you. I thought you're something about the Mets. The Mets have actually all of a sudden they're kind of okay. Like they've got some things going for them after obviously their season is over. They were kind of okay at the beginning. Well, of the they were year eleven too. and one. Started eleven and one, and anybody who thought the Mets uh, had arrived at that point was sorely mistaken, as they have had a typical Metsian season with uh, lots of bad breaks and all kinds of other things that have gone wrong uh, for the Mets this year, but uh, Jacob deGrom could conceivably win the Cy Young shy of 10 wins on they the year, which that. is incredible. And maybe I'm old-fashioned, you can't do it. Uh, yeah, well, I'm not one of these people who thinks, well, wins, they're not uh, advanced metrics. 
In fact, I think Seth is one of those yeah, people. Yeah, he's definitely one of, of those nerds. Another thing that Seth and I don't have in common. <laughs> but uh, so I'm not going to say they're you know completely irrelevant or invaluable. I say they're not necessarily a way to measure one pitcher against another. But the Mets aren't that good this year. Degrom has pitched lights out and has managed to be the winning pitcher in the game uh, only eight times. That's uh, incredible because he's putting up uh, sick numbers. I'd have to look at it. Maybe we'll do that uh, later in the week. But Degrom versus Max Scherzer. Scherzer's having uh, also an exceptional, historically good year statistically for a team that, while crappier than expected and not as good as uh, was projected of the Nationals to run away with the division, is a team that's better than the Mets and whatever. But it's an interesting story with DeGrom and the the year he has had because he has been consistently on point. And uh, we'll get into some baseball talk. This is the time of year, of course, where football – Rules the day. Orange uh, open the Carrier Dome on Saturday, a 3.30 kickoff against Wagner, and then it's a, a three-game dome stand. We'll spend a good deal of time this week discussing that. We'll hear from the Wagner head coach, Jason Hotelling, tomorrow. He's in his fourth year there. They're 1-0. Speaking of rushing yards, they had a running back go for 271 yards in their opener on Thursday night. A guy named Ryan Fulse, who's the uh, preseason player of the year in their conference, he had, had three touchdowns in the game. So uh, lots of good stuff there. We'll set that aside and, and come back on Wagner a little bit uh, closer to the game. Tomorrow they'll also unveil some of the things that are new to the fan experience at the Carrier Dome this year. You've been told about the clear bags. That's uh, much ado about nothing. Not a big deal. Don't be lugging a lot of stuff into the Dome. But now some other things that will uh, enhance the accoutrement around the game and the and, uh, the various things that are going on where you can have your beverages before, after, and during and all of that uh, good stuff. So we'll have some details on that uh, tomorrow. On the show today, Adam Terry, who uh, made his debut as our new uh, radio analyst on uh, the game Friday. We'll break down the game a little bit with him and get uh, a feeling on his experience and uh, at least, I hope, get a verbal that he'll come back and continue and is planning on I thought he did being, a bang at game, job. being at the game on uh, Saturday. I did too. That he was very He's good. very conscientious, does his homework, connects and O with the best of them, and uh, get his thoughts on, on what was going on. You know, my first uh, piece of feedback, we, we'd like to talk about these types of things, probably the fan feedback, and certainly if fans want to call in and chime in, you're welcome to at any time, 315-437-7644. That's 4ESPN44. Didn't change the phone number while I was nope. gone. Today. Okay, but uh, if you want to fire away, you can. That's anytime we're on the air. If we're unable to take a call. We'll just uh, let you sit there for a little while if we have a, a guest or something else. So fire away. But the fan takeaway always amazes me. Pretty much never ceases to amaze. I'm on. I told Polly right after the game. I'm on a text chain with. You know, not to name drop, but like a lot of these Syracuse alum announcer people that people wouldn't, and they're fans of the team. They they want the team to win. They watch the games. They've and one of them says, "Oh, gotta stop with Dunsey like this. Gonna get him killed." It's how they move the football. It's how they win games. You're not taking 200 yard rushers out of the game. Okay, I think it was clear in the game. On Friday, how impactful Eric Dungey is. And with all due respect to Tommy DeVito, he's going to be a great player. He's very talented, very promising. I hope to see him play quite a bit on Saturday. Sometimes when you're in the studio, you mute the phone. But that was an on-brand message there, (laughs) Polly. Very good. Tommy DeVito, he'll have his time. 
hope he plays the whole second half or close to it in the Saturday game against Wagner. They have that much breathing room to to see it. But there's a drop-off. There's a drop-off in ability level, timing, uh, vision, reading the defenses, all of that stuff. And uh, DeVito clearly struggled after Dungy had gotten points in six consecutive drives. DeVito went five in a row and didn't. Gave it to the wrong team once. A couple of punts in there. And then Dungy comes back. The immediate touchdown drive uh, capped by Jamal Custis. That was three consecutive more scoring drives. And uh, the rest is history. But uh, I don't want to hear it about how Dungy shouldn't run. That's what they're going to do. It's a big part of how they move the football. Can some other choices and some things be done differently? Should he not be picking up linebackers and uh, that type of thing? Absolutely. You know, that was an innocent, silly deal where he brings a, tries to bring the linebacker up basically in the same motion at the end of the play, trips over his own feet, linebacker for Western Michigan falls on him. Now there's, you know, the Syracuse linemen see that looks like somebody's attacked their quarterback, pushing, shoving, yada, yada. And then Evan Adams, the Orange's right guard. That should be muted too. thought I hit that button. <laughs> this is a new uh, Microsoft Surface here, Paul. I noticed that it doesn't. Maybe I need to hit the X. That's what I want to do. The X will silence that. So I hit the, in my own good efforts to mute that, I hit the wrong button. A moment ago, and there's the gods uh, playing with me. Anyway, they rally to uh, Dungy's defense. That's uh, the football code. And uh, Adams will have to sit the first half of this game. It won't make a difference against Wagner because the Orange will have better personnel at, at every position, and they ended up using so many offensive linemen in the heavy package on Friday anyway. It'll be a, a fairly simple adjustment, and away we go. I want to get your take on two things. The DeVito situation, did you think they stayed with him a little too long? Was there any questioning in it? Because my, my take on this is, in the grand scheme of Syracuse football, this season isn't, isn't that important. DeVito's the future, and you got to get him reps, right? Well... It, it's not so much that DeVito is, it's that Dungy isn't. You know, yeah. you, you have a senior quarterback, and the next two quarterbacks are both pretty good, talented, promising guys. Uh, certainly Tommy DeVito has the edge over Chance Amy in terms of you know guys that are have a lot of eligibility left, but they both have a lot they bring to the table. I think, yeah, maybe one series, you're starting to get the itch here. You're seeing Eric has the itch on the sideline. He's clearly, you know, if there was some issue related to injury that enhanced the decision to bring DeVito in when he was brought in. You could see that Dungy uh, was fine, was chomping at the bit to get back in, and I I think as the game was tightened up, that was the play. I was a little surprised they brought DeVito in at the time they did. I thought maybe they would go with either a clean break of halves or even more likely is you let your starter come back out, get a rhythm in the, the way that NFL teams approach the third preseason game, get a little bit of a rhythm in the second half to go through that experience, and then you take them out. Uh, I, I think that would, again, be... You don't want to be presumptuous when you're talking about playing Wagner or anything else, but that is part of the blueprint, I'm sure, for this coming week. And then you want to have DeVito in position to succeed. And it might be possible that he's better off playing with the twos. He played with the ones quite a bit in training camp because you want to have him you know, driving the car and having... Uh, that sort of experience, but maybe when it's time for him to come out, he comes out with uh, backup players against tiring players on a, a FCS program and and uh, goes from there. Because you, you want to put him in position to get his confidence built up, and I think he's the type of guy, he's very jersey. I don't think he lacks for confidence. It'll, it won't take long to get it back. Was there something else? No, that, okay. that was it. But I just, 
everybody's worried that Dungy's going to get hurt and everything. Well, well that's if football. That's, if that's the case, you've yeah. got to have a backup ready. Yeah, you to can't come put him in. Right, and you can't put Dungy in bubble wrap. The offensive line is as good as, as it's been in years. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. It's it's just part of the deal. I don't really believe he's more injury prone than the next guy. I don't believe he's more concussion prone or whatever than the next guy. I think that's been uh, you know kind of blown up. Eric gets very defensive about it, and uh, you'd like to see that change. Uh, going forward, it's this button here with the with the <laughs> speaker sound and the X. I'm not judging you. I'm not. Well, judging. I, I don't like that either, and I snapped at you for it, so <laughs> I should. Uh, you know, somebody's probably now emailing me just to make that thing chime. <laughs> so now I got. I did the manual. This Microsoft Surface. You like this, Polly? This is product of IMG. It sat in the box for the first two years that I owned it, and now I've got it rigged up. It's very lightweight. And uh, we like to use it, but now so I've, it's two years old already. I think so. It? Yeah, wow. I've slid the thing down to uh, to zero on the volume. So if anybody thinks they're trying to prank us by getting the email chime to go over the air, we sniff that right out. Show brought to you by Marriott Syracuse downtown. Good spot over there, and uh, it'll do a lot of good things, especially around the uh, big games, three game homestand. Great place to. Stay before the game. They do that shuttle up to the game and uh, lots of good stuff. So in the booth brought to you by Marriott Houston Downtown. We thank them for that. You can join us by phone if you like at 315-437-7644 or 4ESPN44. We'll visit with Adam Terry uh, coming up here next. Cam Lynch made the Tampa Bay Bucks. Cam, very interested in uh, sports journalism and podcasting and radio and television. So he's going to duck in with us on a... Uh, Fairly, uh, let's let's call it a heavily occasional basis. I don't know if he'll do it every week. I don't want to speak for his uh, NFL schedule, but we'll work something out. We will have Cam on Friday because that's a day off, and uh, just a little tease of that a little bit later in the show with uh, Cam Lynch. So good to have you with us. We'll get into the game a little bit, maybe even our Thursday night in Kalamazoo, and a number of other items that uh, came up over the course. Of the weekend. You're in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the Booth brought to you by Marriott Syracuse Downtown. In theory, we're here each uh, weekday, Monday to Friday, from 2 to 3. We'll do the show tomorrow, not Thursday, back Friday, and then uh, we'll attempt to go through a full week if we can handle it and if you can stand us next week leading up to the Orange in Florida State. That was one of the things we wanted to. Hit on today as well. Florida State uh, really did not look up to par against Virginia Tech last night in Tallahassee. Big win for the Hokies, who look pretty good. But I can imagine it's quite a drop-off from Clemson to uh, everybody else in the ACC this year, it looks like, so far. Miami, uh, not a great opener against LSU, et cetera. And we'll get into that stuff in due time. But the Orange do take on the Seminoles at noon, a week from this coming Saturday in the Dome September 15th. Adam Terry will be there on that day. He'll be in the Dome on Saturday for the 3.30 start against Wagner as well. That is, Adam, if you choose to repeat your assignment from Friday night. You think you survived it all right? Uh, Only time will tell. But, uh, you know, this weekend was a great experience. It was, uh, you know, taking the charter, reliving the memories of uh, being a, a player at Syracuse, and then to go watch... You know, probably one of the most dynamic and electrifying players out on the field in Eric Dungy that I've seen in in years. Yeah, it's funny that uh, we started the first part of the show talking about that. 
you know, I understand you completed less than 50%, and that's not what you're used to seeing. But if you slide your eyes over on the stat sheet, for a quarterback that runs for 200 yards and takes over a game as that dangerous and dynamic a player, it's just a different way, right? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's one where we don't know what he is. We don't have a full body of work of a full season underneath our belt with him. But we do know one thing. When he gets the ball, it's it has the potential to go all the way. And I don't think there's been a quarterback like that since number five many, many moons ago in a, in a McNabb situation. You know, this kid is, uh, I don't think he's on that, you know, first-round pick level, but he's going to play his way into the potential of being a, a drafted NFL quarterback. And with the body of work that we saw against Western Michigan, look, Matt, you got to remember, too, I walked up in the booth and I go, I don't, I don't know about this one. I think this, this one's going to be with the speed that Western Michigan has and, um, you know, the defensive alignments that they could uh, – possess uh, a potential to, to stymie the Syracuse offense, I was surprised when, you know, when they just jumped out on top uh, as fast as they did. So it's, it's great to watch a kid like this have the potential of uh, the skill set that he has, but it was also, he got it done. You know, Jamal Custis, I'm going into the game thinking that uh, Butler is uh, the wide receiver of the future, which he still could be. But then Jamal Custis, who we haven't heard of over the last three years, goes out there and lights it up. I mean, you know, if you can get a six foot five, two hundred twenty pound target to do the things that he did on a consistent basis, you know, this is a very exciting Syracuse team to go watch in the dome. I agree, and you know, I think let's not make too much of one game. I want to back up a little bit. What you did, Adam, you know, coming up in the booth after walking the field, and that's something that I, I kind of laugh about then and now given that you know our friend Chris Gedney did a lot of that same thing. He would come up you know, after walking the field and seeing Florida State or Clemson down there and say, oh boy, you know, this could be a day. And I don't, right now we don't feel like that. This is the best getting off the bus Syracuse team that it's been in a number of years. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's the way I feel in terms of the way they're built. I was a little taken aback when you came up from walking the field saying that, uh, kind of about Western Michigan, and now I'm wondering, do you, do you think your calibration was off just a little bit because Syracuse dominated the game physically, certainly for the first 25-odd minutes, really the first half plus, uh, and there weren't any, looking back on it, there weren't any concerns really in that area. Yeah, you know, the thing about Western Michigan that I saw that, that struck, struck me was they passed the eye test. Getting off the bus, they were big. They looked physical. Um, they looked in sync. And then you start to see some of their skill positions run around the field. They had talent. They have extreme speed out there. You know, when you're talking about um, the 4-3 range, you know, granted it's probably a 4-4 laser, but you're talking about a realm that is those high-end ACC schools. And I don't know – what my initial impression of Syracuse was, but the thing that struck out to me, that jumped out to me on the page was they lined up the ball and they were physical. The physicality and the toughness that they played with up front was one thing that Coach Cavanaugh 
dictated to me and asked me, hey, how do we convey this to the offensive line? So my apprehension of were they going to be physical was met very, very quickly in the game when they started lining up in jumbo sets and bringing Pierce and Elmore back into the package, uh, running the diamond package in the backfield and motion with those uh, two fullbacks. So, yes, I went in with a preconceived notion. I left that first quarter with a different idea of Moniel can run the football. He's a little bit thicker. He's more explosive um, than Strickland, but Strickland's still going to pound between the tackles. And then there's always uh, an opportunity for Dungy to get open in space. Are you concerned so, Concerned to any degree that they did use have to use that heavy or not? I don't say if they had to use necessarily, but did use that heavy package to such a degree. Is that a a compensation uh, for something? And should we be concerned at that? Should you say, hey, you want to be able to run the football just with your five linemen and a tight end, or or what do you think about that? Well, so towards the end of my career. With Baltimore, it was a situation that I was the the jumbo guy. You know, we would run a package out there where it was a sixth offensive lineman, potentially a seventh offensive lineman. And if I hadn't run that package, I would say, you know, it's an ineffective ability to run the football. And that's not the case. The It's the polar opposite. We're going to tell you exactly what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to run those linemen on there. Stop us. And that's a different mentality. That's more of the passing game that we've seen. We're going to run a nine route, and this is going to be a fade, and we know it's going to go to Amba, or we know it's going to go to Ish. And in this case, during the game, we know it's going to go to Custis. Stop us. And that's what they did on the offensive side of the ball by bringing in the jumbo package or Ravian Pierce and an Elmore uh, package. Now they've evolved that Elmore Pierce package. But to bring in those that many offensive linemen, you know they're not going to run a nine route or anything resembling that. So to me, it was we're going to spot it up. You better you you better bring your personnel package in that you think is going to stop us, and we're going to shove it down your throat. That was the cool aspect of of that package that stood out to me. Yeah, I love it. I love that uh, take on it. You look at it the other way. That's what Western Michigan was doing in its passing game. We're going to send our 4-3 speed guy, Dwayne Eskridge, down the middle of the field on a post. We're going to take a five-step drop and throw it as far as the quarterback can. What are you going to do about it? And that clicked at least three times for big gains. Coach Babers has said, look, the freshman played like freshman. Andre Sisco was beaten on that play a couple of times. And while it's noteworthy that a freshman started at safety for the first time since the mid-'80s, Marcus Paul, that's impressive in Sisco's case but that needs to be cleaned up is that an easy cleanup uh you're talking about a kid in cisco who i admire you know i watched him out on the field during uh preseason camp and during the scrimmage i like him i think it's a rookie mistake i think his his defensive iq is a little bit higher than um what i expected but that's also a play where you know, you're kind of scratching your head saying, you know, hey, they've run this once. Shame on, you know, shame on us kind of deal. And and as it kept occurring, you know, they they, they decided to make a personnel shift by putting a Trill Williams in and then putting Cordy back there. But those are things that are going to be cleaned up in the film room, and it didn't kill them. So 
so they can go out and play another day. But it's also what is the confidence between a Scoop Bradshaw and a Cisco now? You know, those those are more of the things that need to be um, hashed out in a film room or out on the field. Hey, you know, I understand what occurred. I got this. And that's where everybody grows is when another player says to another player, and they've gotten beaten two or three times on it, hey, I got this, and it's cleaned up. That's really when you can start to see some of the growth in the defense. Adam Terry is our guest. He'll be on the call of the Wagner game with us on Saturday, 3.30 in the Dome. The Orange for three straight. Wagner, Florida State, and Connecticut in the coming weeks. I hope to see everybody in the Dome under that roof on Saturday. One guy that we won't see for the first half of the game, Adam, is uh, Evan Adams. He, because it's a second-half disqualification, he has to sit the first half of this game. That was for the shoving each team lost a player, um, really reacting to the deal where Eric Dungy attempted to pick up the uh, linebacker that had tackled him from Western Michigan, et cetera. A big, uh, really kind of misunderstanding, but the officials had to blow the whistle there. It was just kind of an awkward deal for everybody. How hard is it now? We've been touting how experienced and cohesive this offensive line is. Here's a guy in Adams that started every game for two years. They won't be with him in the, the first half. Taking aside that the opponent is Wagner, how difficult is that, and how do you practice during the week knowing that he can play the second half and and uh, will not be able to start the game? Um, you know, it, it's a situation where, you know, a couple of years prior to this year, you would say, I don't know what we're going to do. But the reality is, is you've got six players on that offensive line. The next guy that steps up is Heckle. And he's got a situation where guys have started over a full season. So you're 93 starts going into the season over six people. So that that's a that's a including him that in fairness. Really, what's that? In fairness, including him. You know he in fairness, 100. percent So yeah. for him to go into the starting lineup is not something that's out of the ordinary. He was the starter last year, um, and now has an opportunity to. Uh, prove himself. So the hard part is, is Adam Adams is the starter. You know, does he get displaced over a game against Wagner? Prop, uh, highly unlikely. But what it does is gives Heckle the opportunity to get back out in the game experience. And he did so against Western Michigan, but even more reps. So, uh, you know, this is, there's much to do about nothing in this one in, in the grand scheme of things. But it is one where long term, it's an ill-advised penalty if that's a tight game right there, you know, it, that's one where momentum changes and field position changes as well. Okay, good stuff. Well, I look forward to uh, having you on here on a regular basis on the show, Adam. We'll get into a, a weekly groove. We'll turn you loose on your thoughts on the Kalamazoo beer exchange. Is, is that an idea you think we can copy? Um, you know, at, at the end of the day, the market's going up, the market's going down, and you're probably getting it at the same price. So... You know, it, it's one where, you know, it was, a, it was a plethora of taps. It was a good experience. We uh, we ended up buy we bought low. Yeah. You know, we, we had the opportunity to buy low, and we did so. So at the end of the night, it was it was great to go out to Kalamazoo. We had a couple, uh, a great dinner opportunity to, to sample their uh, libations. And uh, it was it was a great time to go out there. First road trip for me in a long, long time been retired from the NFL for seven years, so uh, excited about it. Looking forward to 
you know, the one thing that you have to convey about this is you got to go to the Dome to see this kid, Dungy. And is he Donovan McNabb? Who knows? Could he put out a heck of a year and bring him to a bowl game? That's the expectation after a game like that. So get out there, get your seat, grab some popcorn like Terrell Owens would say, mm-hmm. and you'll start to see what this Syracuse football team can be over the course of the season. Great stuff. Get your popcorn ready. I'm actually, it looks like Polly's going to sneak in I, here for I want to ask Adam a question. It's his first time calling a radio broadcast. What was, what was the one thing that caught you by surprise about calling a radio game, football game that, that you had no idea was going to be part of the show there? Well, just the technical support that we brought along. I mean, we drove so many you have hours. to suck up to me. And, you, the payroll? Uh, you know, you know, for me, it was it's one thing, you know, and I don't I I don't really have never really talked about it is my grandfather, when I played, was blind. Mm. So to go onto a radio broadcast and follow the likes of Dick McPherson and follow Chris Gedney and Knowing that that call meant so much to a man that, uh, you know, paid for my, my camp fare to go to Syracuse. My, my other grandparents paid for my camp fare to go to Boston College. Well, we knew which one in that scenario. But to be a part of that, to know that there's people out, you know, whether it's Albany or whether it's Buffalo or, you know, Utica, that there's somebody out there listening to the game to make sure that, one, it's nostalgia for them. You know, they don't want to watch the TV. They grew up listening to the radio call. And two, to give a clear and concise uh, paint-the-picture for them so that they can, you know, they can hear that Clemson call that, you know, a, a Geds and Matt put together, or they can hear a Virginia Tech triple overtime that I was a part of <laughs> that he was able to hear. You know, that, that to me, is, is heartwarming. It makes me want to bring my A game to everything, but also understanding that I'm learning behind it. So, you know, to have a great staff, you know, with, with Matt and Brian and then Paulie being in the booth, to me it was, you know, you got a comfort blanket in knowing that you have the the high upper echelon of professionals in there. So and I'd like to say <laughs> thank you guys. It was awesome. Uh, well, that was great. That was very sweet, Adam. We appreciate that. Professionals and Polly in the booth. That's that's who we have. So, uh, very I, I good. I guess I got to break out headbutts too. So yeah. I'll, I'll start bringing some headbutts into the you're almost, into the booth. You're almost too much of a pro. We can't drag you down to our level of poly bashing, and <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll come. It, only a matter of time. But uh, great stuff. Awesome debut. Looking forward to uh, talking with you more about it uh, off the air, and then uh, getting set to do it again on Saturday. Okay. Have a great day. All right, man. Talk to you soon. That is Adam Terry, our uh, radio analyst. Adam uh, lives in Rochester. He'll be back with us on uh, Saturday for the game and the next uh, three games. Put a lot of time in on I his could, vehicle this week. I hit weekend. it out of the park with that question. You really did. That was a good <laughs> – who knew? That was you, you tripped into one. Good good uh, response there from Adam and a good story. And, and that really is the cool part, too. If you think about the various people that are listening and the various reasons they're listening, you're trying to kind of connect with all of those folks out there. And I think anybody who does what I do, you, you sort of – you try to have in your mind that – visually impaired or blind people may be listening and you have fans old and young and so you're trying to uh, serve all of those masters as part of the challenge and, and part of the fun of it. We mentioned the Kalamazoo Beer Exchange. It's a, I don't think it's necessarily an idea unique to them. Maybe people have been to these types of places in, in other markets, but uh, you know, just a beer bar like uh, any we might have around here, except that the prices fluctuated 
based on what was being ordered. And I'm sure if they had something they want to get rid of, they can price it that way. And if something's super popular and it's going to command a six and seven dollar price, they would price it uh, that way. And uh, we happen to walk in just in front of uh, what they call their crash. The siren goes off just like it might at the the end of the day on Wall Street. And next thing you know, the prices fall to their lowest point of the night, and uh, you get to enjoy that. So uh, cool to uh, get a little local flavor, as we often try to, and and uh, in this case, able to do that in Kalamazoo, a place that you pretty much aren't going to go for any other uh, reason or have the other occasion to, to go to. So uh, these non-league games are a lot of the fun for us, and we enjoyed uh, doing that, breaking in a new crew on Thursday. When we come back, we'll do our Do We Care segment and then visit with Cameron Lynch. You know, Adam had a handful of years in the NFL, and for everybody, there's always going to be a time at the end. And Cam Lynch, not there yet, made the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But for all those guys that aren't uh, surefire, you know, first-round picks or that type of thing, that roster uh, cut-down day and and weekend, which uh, just passed, I'm sure is uh, nerve-wracking. Zaire Franklin made the team with the Colts, and uh, Cam Lynch with the Bucks, We'll uh, touch base with him briefly. Thought uh, we didn't want to take a lot of his time today, more of a, a tease of an appearance for him later in the week, but uh, do want to take advantage of Cam's uh, willingness to be part of the show. Do we care next as we continue in the booth? Brought to you by the Marriott Syracuse Downtown on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait, the other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care. So two local WNBA players, Brittany Sykes, who went to Syracuse, and Brianna Stort, who went to UConn, went to Cicero North Syracuse High School here and went on to UConn and won a championship in all four years of her career there, are in the WNBA semifinals. Do we care about this? Yeah, I mean, I care just for those two. Good for them. They're uh, both good people. Uh, Certainly worked more closely with uh, Brittany, but I met Brianna a couple times. And uh, outstanding player, obviously, great family, local family. Anytime somebody local is is uh, achieving on the highest level, uh, we care. And uh, good for Brittany Sykes, that's great. Do I care about the WNBA uh, semifinals? Typically not. How dare you? But uh, but I hope they both uh, do well. I uh, guess they would be on a crash course, wouldn't they? Tommy, our, our you guys said that the game four was electric. It was electric. I watched game four. It was very good. The fourth, I watched from like the, halfway through the third quarter and all of the fourth quarter. It was a very close game, and unfortunately, Sue Bird was out with Seattle, so they they she broke her nose. She right? broke her nose. Yeah, got elbowed by Brianna Stort, her teammate. Um, broke her nose. Will be back for game five. I will be watching. I believe. I believe I will be watching you're game the, five. You're the one. Good. Knock, <laughs> knock yourself out. Tell us how it goes. But uh, you know, no. Just like a lot of other. Sports that people don't watch a, a ton when it's played at its highest level. It's compelling. End of the season. Good stuff. Wish uh, both Britt and uh, Brianna well. I have a new addiction, by the way, watching TV. Yesterday during our, our cookout, the TV was on, and the longest drive contests were really happening. Like that? that was awesome. They hit it miles. I, I could sit and watch that all day. There's a former Met player. Yeah, that, yeah, I, not, of course, I'm going to draw a blank that hit yeah. a ball 400. I was going to say they hit four, yeah, yeah. 400 wow. some odd yards. That's crazy. Yeah. Depending on the yeah conditions and 
They've got the souped-up drivers. I, and I have it in my DVR now. I am going to Okay. <laughs> what channel is that on? A golf network. Oh, okay. Really? Okay. So Nike is making Colin Kaepernick the face of their 30th anniversary of the Just Do It campaign. And a lot of people are upset about this. People are cutting off the swooshes off their socks. Do we care about this? <laughs> Not particularly. I understand that it's newsworthy. I'm kind of over the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, mostly because what people are reacting to is not his original message. You know, kneeling for the national anthem was his way to protest and get attention really for racial inequality, police brutality, that type of thing. Nobody really talks about that. They get all bent out of shape about uh, who stood or didn't stand for the national anthem. There are a couple of different discussions that Nike wants to use him. I mean, obviously he's a, a, figure that moves the needle a little bit doesn't surprise me at all that uh, that somebody who already had an endorsement deal would uh, use him in this way the whole cut the swooshes out and all that stuff is embarrassing mm-hmm. to me I, I don't understand what what one has to do with another but uh, everybody likes to make a stand now it's dumb right you I if think you, so. if you spend a hundred bucks on a pair of sneakers you're cutting the swoosh off the money's already spent yeah yeah donate them to somebody they're burning them, right. I think, over over. Well, I think people are, you yeah. know, I'm sure people want to make a statement that says, yeah. you know, I'm distancing myself from this company that endorses or is in partnership with Kaepernick, which means he disrespects the flag, blah, 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 blah. I think that's taking this debate about 12 steps in the wrong direction, but uh, to each their own. And uh, just FYI, Nike stock down almost 3%. Yeah, today. I mean, I think Nike will... They'll get over it. <laughs> I think they'll be okay. We got to take a quick break here. We okay. We're running Good. long. And today. I don't care about the last thing. Yet. <laughs> All right, Tommy, thanks. Welcome aboard. Thank you. We'll have uh, Cam Lynch on, but just for a couple of minutes when we come back. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Another couple of minutes in the booth brought to you by Marriott Syracuse downtown. We thank them for that. Good to have you along for the ride back tomorrow, 2 o'clock, and then Friday. 2 o'clock as well. Friday, we'll be joined by Cam Lynch, the former Syracuse linebacker, now the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We thought we'd have him on here just for a couple of minutes to uh, say hello. And uh, Cam, good to catch up with you. And congrats, man. You've survived uh, cut day once again. I'm sure that's got to be a nerve-wracking process. Yeah, thank you, Matt. Going on year four here. Uh, being a Syracuse alum is pretty awesome to rock the orange throughout the whole process. So, I look forward to rock. Look, looking forward to rocking with the orange on Fridays as well. Yeah, I know that uh, you know you certainly pay attention to the games, and and we'll get into your thoughts on the team and and going into the uh, Wagner game on uh, Friday. Uh, how about advice to a guy that's just behind you looking to do the same thing? Zaire Franklin drafted late and made the team with the Colts. Yeah, that that was big time, man. Uh, with Zaire, there was no doubt. He's a great player, great leader, as you know. He was a leader coming up, you know, as a freshman. He was wearing 44 then in college and wearing 44 now at the uh, at the Colts. So it's nice to see him step into his own place. Uh, like I said, great leader, man. He was a leader since he was a, so- a sophomore in college. So big, up, big ups to him and, uh, you know, much success. Very cool that he's wearing 44. I've got some thoughts on 44, and uh, I know that it won't happen, but the way I'd like to see it uh, used at uh, Syracuse, maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow last thing uh just a minute or so left cam this is something you're interested in uh-huh yeah you did the show with us cam's cam when you were a player here that's been followed up by uh z60 zaire at his own show and and now kylan whitner has one so i'm looking forward to calling your number a little more often 
Yeah, most most definitely. It's nice to see those guys follow, you know, following suit. Um, and I, I love to give back to you know the Syracuse community and finally reach back and talk to the people back there because I haven't been back in four years. It'll be nice to uh, create that dialogue. So I'm getting pretty excited. All right, good. Well, we'll have you on Friday and we'll have you uh, kind of maybe be our NFL correspondent, keep an eye on the guys there. So continued success to you. We'll talk to you later in the week. Most definitely. Thank you, my man. All right, that's Cam Lynch of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll have him on Friday at uh, 2.15. It's National Macadamia Nut Day, Polly, which uh, reminded me of one of the great These pieces of sound that I, I wish I could have unearthed for today, but it, I've got to have it somewhere. I just don't know. Eddie Sutton, press conference. Coach Sutton, can you make an opening statement? First of all, these macadamia nut cookies are delicious. That was prior to the Oklahoma State-Syracuse game in the run to the national championship. That's right. He in was Boston. preoccupied on the cookies. How did that work and out for Syracuse him? Syracuse had a massive comeback. The rest you. is history. Maybe maybe when he was up 17, he got thinking about the cookies. <laughs> All right, we're back. We're thinking about the show tomorrow. See you then, everybody.